hi, and welcome to the 15th ever episode of The Sound of Not Getting Laid, where we're asking the question, do women really hate prog rock? I guess this week is a woman, Anna Maria Settee. Here Anna described Crimson as engaging. Ooh, deep. Marvel at her claim that her dad can fix anything. What a braggart. Listen to her not only mispronounce Giger's name, but also get his place of origin incorrect. All this and more on The Sound of Not Getting Laid. Tonight's episode is brought to you by Paranoia. It's not paranoia, it's perception. Hi, and welcome to The Sound of Not Getting Laid, where we're asking the question, do women really hate prog rock? Today I have with me... Anna Maria. Um, how old are you? 43. And uh, what do you do? What do I do? I do a little bit of everything. Started out as a graphic designer, art director, then I got more into the production end of things, retouching, mechanical work. Yeah, yeah. All of it. A yeah. little bit of management here and there. We, Eat we've, it. we've done some of that together. Yes. Uh, where are you from? Romania, originally. What, what city? Uh, Bucharest. Uh-huh. Um, that's where I was born and was pretty much the whole time that I was there until I was 14. Um, and then came here and lived in a few states. Uh, <laughs> lived in California. Did you? Yep. Whereabouts? Um, right outside of San Francisco in San Mateo. It's like okay. a little neighboring town. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then from there went on to Brooklyn. Nice. Borough Park. Nice. Uh, and then Jewtown. <laughs> I mean, it was interesting. It, I had never seen uh, Orthodox Jews before. I didn't know what that was. So it was. I still don't know experience. what they are. <laughs> <laughs> um, went to FDR High School. Left there right before somebody got stabbed. So nice. Yay. Yeah, that was good. Dodge that knife. Dodge that knife. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, you know, then uh, moved upstate, no, not upstate, I guess, Rockland County, you know, Burbs. Uh-huh. And uh, lived in Florida, lived in Pennsylvania. Florida. Yeah. Ugh. Four years. <laughs> Great to visit, don't recommend living there. No, no, no. The keys are nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, so lots of living in different places, lots of moving. Mm-hmm. And now I'm in New York for I don't know how long. So what kind of music did you listen to in uh, high school, college years? Um, I mean, at first I was, I guess, you know, listening to radio, you know, top 40 type stuff, Uh because that's what everybody was doing. So, you know, coming here from another country is really difficult to kind of find your place and and even know what the hell you like, because you don't know what you're dealing with. And what did you say, you were 14 when you came here? Yeah. Yeah. So. I turned 15 when I was in California, so that's how old I was when I came to New York. It must have been quite the culture shock. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, <laughs> you didn't speak English, right? Uh, very little. We uh-huh. took it in school for about a year, so that's really not much. I mean, it's right. like the same as taking Spanish year for a year. Right, right. Um, Doesn't so, prepare you for a conversation on the street. Not at all. You pick up <laughs> a couple words here and there, but Americans talk so fast that it's not, you know, even... We do? Comparable. Yeah. Yeah, fast and and um, everything kind of flows together, like right. words blend into each other. So right, and depending on the accent, like, right. like if you have a Texas accent, all the words kind of lean on each other a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's softer. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, American English is softer anyway, just f- compared to British English, which is what when you learn right. it in a foreign country, that's what you'd be learning. Right. So then, when you know, when it, just coming to America, and then New York, you know, with the with the myriad of accents and and uh you know people tell me that i have a new york accent i'm like okay <laughs> um so I'm, I'm sorry so you're asking me about music so yeah um, so a high so, school college yeah so first it was top 40 and then um 
through people that I befriended, like more towards the end of high school, mm-hmm. I got into more, um, you know, some metal, some alternative. Um, Which you know, has grunge. ties to this music. A lot of people right. call Prague like proto metal. Okay. Because you'll hear the first song from 1969. Yeah, distorted guitar. It's got kind of a heavy feel like that. So. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah, and you know that that genre or the, those genres are good for you know uh, going through uh, puberty and yes. learning a new culture and all that crap. Right, so being being, being uh, <laughs> less than comfortable with yourself, social yeah. anxiety. Uh, you know, a lot of nerds gravitate towards it. Mm-hmm. Um, right, right. You know, being being angry with wherever you're at, and you know, finding that uh, somebody's expressing it in a song and, you know, right. you're screaming along to it and it's great. Being angry <laughs> at the shitty hand that God dealt you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> or whoever you happen to believe in at the time. You know. Right, right. Well, who got you into uh, that, that kind of stuff? Because typically it's somebody gets you into that. You don't... Yeah, yeah. True, exactly, exactly. I would have never known about it, especially, you know, since I got into Nine Inch Nails and, and the sort right at the beginning when they were underground and nobody knew about them. Right. Um, so um, it, was, uh, it was a friend of mine. I actually met him after I... Uh, gra- he graduated before me. He was a year ahead of me. Mm-hmm. So I think it was like my last year of high school and he was already out. Um, and so we, we became friends and um, he was all into Metallica and Slayer and Pantera mm-hmm. and I'm trying to remember what else. Danzig and... Mother! Mm-hmm. Uh, Ozzy, you know, mm-hmm. Black Sabbath. Yeah, that yeah. was huge. Right, so right. he got me into Ozzy. Um, so pretty much everything, you know, that that whole group, I would say. I mean, I couldn't, you know, and we had this thing like he would he would torture me with whatever he wanted to play in the car because we were always in his car. It was like, you know, that we like lived there. Mm-hmm. So he would blast, you know. I wasn't too crazy about Metallica. I think I like maybe like two songs by them. So he loved to torture me with that. Like it would come on and he would blast it and we'd fight over it. You know, you have to change the song. And, <laughs> was so was this pre Cliff Burton or, or I mean, uh, post Cliff Burton or? or? God, I'm so good, bad with time. But I remember, like, I only liked, for example, Enter Sandman and... Uh, see, that's post-Burton. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's crap. But, I mean, he played everything from them, so I right. really couldn't tell you. But I just, I, I thought um, the lead singer just oversang everything. That's what yeah. I think. Yeah. I mean, that's what irritated me about yeah. them. It's like, okay, every now and then for emphasis is cool, but he just, he wouldn't stop. Yeah. Um, yeah. So then he got me into all that stuff. He got me into comic books and the sort. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, he used to go to all the shows, and he never wanted to go by himself. So, you know, he it was always kind of a struggle to find somebody to go with him to some of the crazier bands because people just weren't into that. Right. Um, so he was like, well, listen, you know, we, my mother gets me a car to take me to these things. They're always in Manhattan somewhere. Uh, so we went to these shows. So I get a free ride, and mm-hmm. uh, he'd buy me drinks, and, and um, wait, 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 he'd pay but- for the show. How were you? How? Why were you taking a car to a show if it was in New York City? Why wouldn't you just get on the subway? He had a heart condition. Oh, I so see. So he was, uh, you know, he'd been through surgeries he needed some and all sorts of craziness. Yeah, I okay. mean, she overdid it, you know, because sure. Well, obviously his health eventually stabilized and he was that's okay. What moms but she, do. she never stopped, right? So right, um, right, right. Oh, it's it's tough. Yeah, yeah. Especially when it's your kid. And right, and you know, she was like her, his. They were his parents were divorced. His father had moved out, so it was like 
But I mean, you know, I got the benefit from that, so you know, yeah. I'm not complaining. <laughs> and, he, and he got a companion for some for some great music, and yeah. it, got, it got you into something that wasn't mainstream. Yeah, and we, you know, we had a really great time, and you know, sometimes whoever opened for the act we were seeing, you know, was interesting. So I got to see Green Jelly and uh, Chem Lab, and uh, when I went to see Nine Inch Nails with him. Marilyn Manson opened for them so when they were like nobody nobody had heard of them right and they were getting booed off stage and I'm like what I, these guys are cool he's wearing fucking striped tights for god's sake you know I mean, it's yeah just, it's theater it's, yeah but I mean it was like at the time it wasn't uh, as contrived as his MTV stuff later on Right, where so, you know, there wasn't that any... sort sort of androgynous character. Right, yeah. right. It wasn't a, you know, it wasn't the, the airbrush look like you right. know, he looked like a goth with bad makeup and ripped right. up clothes right. and it was fun as hell. He looked like a guy you went to school with. Yeah, and yeah, you know, he's kid. on stage screaming, <laughs> Get your gun for God's sake. I mean, you know, it's fun. It's yeah. fun. Um, so uh, yeah, school yeah. shooting's fun. Well, no, I mean, I don't know if, I don't even know what the hell the song was about, but it was so angry and the beat was so good that it was like so yeah, that's how I got into all that. Nice. What do you listen to now? Um, I've calmed down quite a bit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, can't really listen to that stuff too much. Every once once in a while, I'll you let you let a little Kenny Rogers in there once. A- no, not Kenny Rogers. <laughs> no, um, I listen to a lot of um, I guess you could say like new agey type stuff. I you know when I when I got into Pandora, you know you um, they mix everything up a lot. Right. You know, obviously there's your typical Enya that everybody knows about, but that's not mm-hmm. really what I was listening to. Like um, Ulrich Schnauss and um, they're, they're names I had never heard of. Let's just uh-huh. put it that way. Uh, so it's it's relaxing. Like the kind of music you would hear on uh, the video game Skyrim, for example. Like new agey, fantasy. Uh, Something that plays in the waiting room at the holistic doctor's office. Some of it, but not all. Some of it. It's, it's not spa music. Um, right, right. But, I, you know, I don't know how to describe it. So there's a bunch of that. Every now and then I'll play some older alternative stuff, like I have playlists from, from the stuff that I used to listen to. So Right. We all kind of go back to what yeah, we... Yeah, yeah. A lot. And a lot of 80s. You know, I still listen to Madonna and Prince and mm-hmm. uh, Janet Jackson and Michael Jackson and mm-hmm. all that mm-hmm. stuff. You know, I still have fun with that. We had a lot of eclectic stuff going on in pop yes. music. 80s um, was my favorite. I mean, I only yeah. caught the tail end of it the last, like, two, three years. But I absolutely loved it, uh, and and it's very sad that so many of the people that were uh, huge in those days are dropping off like flies. I can't believe I can't believe how many. Well, of them have I died. mean, they're they're getting old. You know? Some, but some have been, you know, like drug overdoses and you know things. Yeah, like that. but that's cool. Yeah, but I'm so, I'm so sad. I can't, I can't fucking believe yeah. Prince is gone. I can't believe Michael Jackson is gone. He was an idiot. You know, his Jehovah's Witness nonsense. Uh, I think forbade him from getting an operation and that's how he got hooked on these these oh, yeah? fentanyl yeah oh this, my gosh, and then he I got hooked on that. he got hooked on opiates and right. synthetic opiate i think fentanyl is what killed him isn't it i'm not sure that, but i that didn't crazy realize that synthetic it was... opioid that we were talking about earlier so what would, what would have been the operation i didn't realize that was part of the story. uh something with his back oh, okay. uh he had problems with his back and his and his legs uh mm. from I, I think as a result of wearing high heels for so many oh, years gosh. on That'll stage do it. yeah yeah you know and, and performing and dancing yeah you know uh yeah he needed some kind of operation he didn't get it so he was in chronic pain mm. so he was taking painkillers and uh yeah he, he, he misdosed that's sad. Yeah, yeah, it is sad. You know, and uh, you know, Madonna and 
the people that came on her heels, I mean, no, no one has been as good as, as she was, I don't think. Mm. I know people compare Lady Gaga to her, and I don't see it. I like Lady Gaga. I like her. Lady Gaga has more talent. I She's a better you. singer. She's a stronger yes, singer. Yes. She writes her own songs. I, I consider her an artist. Right. Whereas Madonna, I, I consider an entertainer. Right. Uh, Madonna was an amazing I mean, marketing she's, person. She's great. Yeah. She's great at what she's do- she does. Right. She's made a huge empire for herself. Mm-hmm. I'm all for that. Right. I just don't care to listen to it. I hear you. I hear you. I think it was just the time that it caught me at. You know what I mean? Sure. Like that was. Yeah. And now, like, I'm not. You know, I'm not in the uh, demographics. <laughs> right. And she was very empowering for women at a yes. time when yes. that, there wasn't a big voice for that. And, very, you know, very rebellious against yeah. against, against church and right. against, right. you know, limitations placed on women. And, and I'm all for that. I'm right. all for that. That's great. I just, you know, <clears throat> write a decent fucking song, you loopy cunt. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. There are a lot of people that, like, I don't get it. Like, what's, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and it was, you know, so, you know, going back on just pretty much everything that I was listening to, the funny part was that, you know, uh, coming from a conservative and, and sort of, uh, uh, I guess controlling Eastern European family, uh-huh. um, they did not approve of anything I listened to. So right, right. It was it was really Are annoying. Are your parents religious? Um, I guess slightly. They don't really. You know, I think they go. But to it was church it wasn't about that really. No, it was just they were they were terrified that I was going to lose my way and become a nobody. You know, coming to this crazy. Uh, I mean, that was inevitable. Culture. I mean, look at yourself. <laughs> I mean, really, yeah, seriously. <laughs> And I remember thinking to myself, you know, all the crazy things that came out of their mouths. I remember thinking, like, you have that little faith in me. Wow. Yeah, I mean, right. you, you spent all these years indoctrinating me into, uh, go to school, make something of yourself. You're going to end up working at McDonald's. And now you're afraid that none of that's going to work. Right, right. Just so because that, of a record. Oh, right, right. Yeah. So I had to... Um, I mean, it was a common hysteria in this country in oh, yeah. general. Hysteria, it wasn't just, for sure, yeah. It's not just an Eastern European thing. There were a lot of people freaked out by, like, especially the heavier stuff. So, yeah, I mean, they were definitely hysterical about that stuff. So I... It, there were two things. I couldn't really afford to buy records anyway, so I didn't have anything right. in the house. Right. But the few things that I bought and that, you know, so I had a younger sister, so she'd rat on me all the but time. But you were buying these bands. Were you just getting, like, tapes from friends? Or I was you... getting tapes from friends, uh-huh. yeah. Yeah. Because uh, I really couldn't afford to buy anything. And that was the beauty of, like, the punk rock and heavy metal scene. It's like... Major record companies weren't picking that stuff up. They thought it was garbage. Right, right. Yeah, so, I mean, all of that <clears> stuff, <throat> I would get these mixtapes with, you know, um, Nine Inch Nails, uh, STP, Mr. Bungle, mm. uh, Faith No More. Still love Mr. Bungle. You know, uh, Alice in Chains. I mean, <laughs> all of those guys, you yeah. know I mean? They were freaking amazing. So yeah. it's like, to have all of that stuff on one tape, like, it's just like one continuous mood, you know what right, I mean? And, right, right. And it was bonding, you know, because... Mm-hmm. We were all in, because I was hanging out with a lot of metalheads and punks, and there was something about, you know, having this this common interest in this outsider thing. Mm-hmm. You know, like, we have our own thing. It felt like ours. Yeah, yeah. It didn't feel like it was part of the corporate machine, like pop music, like Madonna and Michael Jackson. They, they got, well, Madonna not so much, but Michael Jackson got lost in the, in the, in the, in the, uh, in the stardom, mm-hmm. in, in the corporate machine. Right. Uh, you know, it's just a lot of people. Did. One of the things that, you know, drove them to drugs. And yeah, a right. lot of people do. A lot of people or do. drove them out because they stopped being themselves. And then it just whatever they're right. doing. They that sell anymore. That too. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it was it was fun to listen to all that stuff. Like you said, it was bonding. You know, you shared stuff yeah. with, with other people. 
Um, we talk about it, you know, and then so being able to go with him to concerts was awesome because, again, I could not have afforded to pay for all of that. Yeah, that's that, that's shows. a really sweet story. And that sounds like a win win for everybody. You yeah. Got, you got to see some culture and he had a he had a friend. We had a great time. We yeah. really did. It was you cool. You still keep in touch? Um, we don't really see each other because, you know, life just gets crazy. It does. Yeah. Every once in People a boom, drift boom, apart. we send each other a text and it's uh-huh. like, hey, how are you? We're old. You know, <laughs> uh, he also is he still me. here in New York City? Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's uh, he's in Rockland County as well. OK. Um, so uh, he also introduced me Oh, this me is story. when you lived in Rockland County. This wasn't when you lived. Yeah, that was okay. before I moved to uh, to the city. I see. After I moved to the city, that's kind of, you know, I got married and like our lives just kind of went. Different. Right, now he's right. married, you know. Mm-hmm. So uh, I moved away. So there's, you know, you know, when you start a new life somewhere else, it's hard to uh, keep in touch with people via email and phone and whatever if you don't go back to visit. Yeah, that's true. That's um, true. It's just not for me anyway. It's not the same. Like, I can't really connect with people that way. But I'm trying to think. He also got me into Tori Amos. Mm-hmm. I was, you know, into Fantastic her Fantastic songwriter. Time. Yes, yes. I'm not a amazing. huge fan, but, you know, whenever, every time it comes on, I do appreciate it for its its craft. Yeah. And her talent. She's very talented. And she's also very, um, you know, she's a chameleon. And, you know, she puts a lot of, her, of herself into her songs. Mm-hmm. But, she, you know, you can also see, like, what she's going through at that time. She's, she's not always the same, I don't think. She's recognizable, but right. I feel that she's... Um, she redefines herself. Yeah. As, as, which I think any true artist will do. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the prime examples being people like Miles Davis or David Bowie. Right. right. They're always evolving, but, you know, as soon as... Like, Bowie's new album, the, the last one he did... Mm-hmm very different musically than anything else uh, you know getting into like oh, this is really fucking cool what is this and then he starts singing and you're like oh it's David Bowie right because he can just put himself in any situation and he made it work yeah and he, was, he could still be himself right but constantly redefining what that was or elaborating right it's you know, becoming more complex and well, like you said, that that's what I think a true artist is, and there's so so fewer of those people around than there used to be. I think I don't know. Maybe I'm just out of touch. I, I don't know if there's fewer of them around, or if they just they're not given the attention and the f- f- resources mm. to get their craft done. Yeah, these days, you know, a lot of artists that you know came up in the '60s and '70s. If they walked into a record company today, they'd be like, I don't think so. Right. <laughs> I'm right. trying to sell. Because it used to be that you would, uh, a record company would sign you for three records mm. or five or whatever. They didn't expect the first one to sell. The second one, they expected you to, to kind of hone your craft better. And the third one, that's where, they, if it wasn't paying off by the third album, then they were like, eh, this right. isn't working out. Right. But now it's like, if you're single, doesn't sell a million on iTunes, you know. Like it's also immediate. Right. They don't. There's. No, they don't give ch- uh, uh, an artist a chance to be working as an artist. Like you have to do your craft while you're working a day job, and you know, unless you're rich. Right. Um, and and you know, you got a trust fund studio in, in your dad's, you know, spare house. And how many of those people are really talented? Not many. Let's be real. Not many. No. <laughs> no. Uh, not to say that money uh, dictates talent or vice versa, but... Uh, well, no, but struggle, I think, has a lot to do with talent. <laughs> well, yeah. I, well, yeah. I don't know if it has anything to do with talent, but it certainly, uh, I think it makes a stronger artist. 
Right. Uh, I tend to listen to that stuff more. Like I, I put art in two different categories, right? There's uh, uh, exposing the ugly truth or presenting a pristine ideal. Mm-hmm. And both can be beautiful, uh, right. but I, I tend to lean towards the former. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? I, uh, I like that stuff to, you know, metal, punk, right. uh, songwriters like Tom Waits, Bob Dylan, who are t- speaking real yes. about yes. deep things, you know. Uh, well, yeah, and I think to, to me that stuff really resonates because, you know, you could, have a, you could have a cool melody, but, you know, after a while, if, if there's nothing else supporting it, you know, it's it's gonna get boring, and and maybe you'll make it through one album, but you're not gonna buy the second and the third and the fourth, right. uh, just because right. it's the same old thing. Right. Um, a lot of people don't even buy albums anymore; they just buy songs. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So then, you know, that's that's very different. You know, the the way music is selling nowadays is very different. Um, but yeah, I mean, I really I really enjoyed all that stuff, and it really made me think. You know, even like following people across. Nine Inch Nails, for example, you can mm-hmm. tell as they go through different life stages right. how it affects their music. And, it, you know, a few of the people that I was really into, you know, when I was young and, it, you know, it was like the angsty type stuff. Uh, you can see that as they kind of get to happier points in their lives, their music changes. And sometimes it's not as good. I'm not, I'm not going to say right. always. Right. But it's like once the angst is gone, it's kind of like, oh, so I got married and I had kids and now my album sucks. Yeah. <laughs> and it's terrible because, you know, you, you, you've built, a, a, you know, you care about them as people. So you want them to be happy. But it's like, yeah, but now your music's not really moving. Yeah. Why don't, you, why don't you go get like an opioid habit or something? <laughs> Create some chaos in your life to you. something interesting to write about. <laughs> I was so. So afraid that Trent Reznor was gonna die of an overdose. That was like my life's fear for many years. Like, was he a user? I didn't know die. that about him. He was a user of something. I'm, I, you know, I never really kept up specifically with what everybody was doing. Oh. But he, he did have a lot of songs about shooting up. So you know, right? Uh, I assumed. Right. Yeah. Um, it's probably a safe assumption. Yeah, yeah, and you know, and he, dark he definitely seemed very, yeah, very dark and tortured. And I was like, that's all good because your music's awesome. But please don't die. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah. All right. So let's get into some prog rock, huh? What do you think? Sounds good. Yeah. I, right. I mean, maybe I've heard it. Maybe I haven't. I don't know. You've I'm... probably heard uh, at least a few, uh, a couple of these songs. Okay. Uh, but most of them have been on the radio. Okay. Except for one. Uh, there's a little bit of an oddball curveball I threw in there. Okay. But uh, the first one we're going to hear is uh, King Crimson from... Uh, <laughs> in the Court of the Crimson King. Uh, the song is 21st Century Schizoid Man. Let's listen. It's a little show offy. <laughs> like, look, we can remember all these little complex rhythm things. You know? Right, right. I mean, you know, that never really put me off because, you know, um,. You like that? Well, yes, and I, you know, also a lot of the music that I was exposed to was stuff that my my father was into, and he tended to listen to like um, Rush or really? Clearwater Revival, or okay. you know, he loved Eric Clapton, mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. Um, all all bands that can get jammy. Yeah, so you know, this I, it's just it took me a long time to appreciate it. Um, That's interesting. Your dad listened to Rush. He listened, so I mean, I Dad remember, was a prog rocker. Do you know if he was into any of these other bands? I don't think so, because he never mentioned them. I think, you know, because back in Romania, we, we knew mostly of the, the mainstream stuff, the big names, you know what I mean? That's kind of what made its way over there. Right, and, and are you talking about the 80s rush? No, he, he was a lot of uh, a lot of 70s stuff. I mean, there were huge Beatles fans, both my parents. 
Okay. And um, I'm trying to think what else. Um, His, his favorites on it, you know, like Moody Blues, for example, was another band. That Some people into. consider them prog rock. I oh, yeah? argue with that. Yeah, yeah I wouldn't, they don't sound it to me. But. Some albums, but yeah. Okay. Um, what about like was it Kansas? Was he listening to that or Sticks or Sticks? I think yeah. Yeah, they were considered Kansas. prog rock. I okay. don't. I consider them flaccid rock, but <laughs> uh, or soft rock, as it were. <laughs> so, what'd you think of that? That was cool. You I like really that. liked it. Yeah, the yeah. whole thing. Like you, yeah. were, you, you were not feeling like you needed to tap out at all. I didn't mm. see you eyeballing the the bell. No, <laughs> the no, no, button. not at all. I mean, the beginning, like I said, it reminded me of Black Sabbath, and then towards the end, um, it, it veered away from that. Right. But I liked it. That was really cool. Cool. Yeah. All right. So something you would put in your playlist, maybe. Yeah, I mean, it, it makes me want to listen to other stuff. Okay. In the genre to well, see. I, like, I can set there. you up with some MP3s. Cool, cool. Fuck you, record companies. <laughs> okay, next up, uh, we're going to go to uh, 1971, uh, Genesis, a nursery crime. Uh, the song is The Return of the Giant Hogweed. Uh, this is when Peter Gabriel's still in the band, uh, sporting the vocals. I didn't know he was in that. Wow. Yeah, for up until 1974, and Phil Collins was behind the drum kit at this point how cool yeah That's he's awesome. actually he's actually a very good drummer uh, and um, i'm a huge phil collins fan are you yeah interesting. I, I forgot to mention i listened to so much stuff i mean i think the only genre i didn't ever listen to i mean sure that that country in, right okay but that that, that he, he definitely falls into the category of 80s pop because yes you know, stuff like invisible touch you know because right. genesis they parlayed their their prog rock into pop music in the 80s and made millions they still do yeah i mean you know i like their poppy stuff very much but i also like their more social commentary type stuff like land uh, of confusion yeah land mm-hmm. of confusion was excellent the, great you know, the video. video also yeah, yeah fun as hell yeah um especially in a time when that stuff wasn't easy to make right you know, we, we weren't doing cgi back then so no was, those were was, those were puppets yeah. that were constructed and then yeah people had to to, to, to man them. Yeah, that was incredible. And then he had, I forget, I think, um, I don't know if that's what the name of it, but it was, it was You're No Son of Mine. That was one of the uh-huh, songs. Uh-huh. Uh, that was another one, I think. I forget the name of this one, too, but it dealt with um, an abusive father mm-hmm. and, and the son dealing, you know, watching all of that. He had some really good stuff. Uh-huh. Um, musically and, and, you know, like I said, the commentary part. See, I always just remember the shit. Mm-hmm. Like Sue Studio. The oh fuck yeah, is that? that was awesome. I, I don't know what the hell it meant. It was a great song though. <laughs> That's totally stupid. You made it. But up. you know, I mean, it's it's it was rare. Well, I'm, I'm I shouldn't say that. In the, in the '80s, it wasn't rare. But I, I feel like nowadays, it's rare to have someone uh, kind of touch on both. You know, they either go pop and you know try to rake in the money, or they try to have a message. I think too. he had a lot of personal tragedy too. He had some. You know, oh, yeah. he, didn't he go through a really bad divorce and like. He, he he sung about it on a lot. He, of I was gonna say he sure did, so yeah. he may have. Yeah. yeah, and and he had some awesome songs dealing with that topic too. You yeah. know, sad songs, personal and like psychology, real personal. and turmoil. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yep. So he was he was awesome, and and Peter Gabriel. I mean, I I I'm crazy about him and Sting and. Right, you you follow Peter in his solo career as well. Yes. Yes. Do you know the the album Lamb Lies Down on Broadway, Genesis? Mm-mm. You might like that one. It's it's kind of like Peter Gabriel's first solo record, but he was still technically in Genesis. But he okay. wrote all of the music, and it's a it's like a it's like an opera, you know, mm. um, or operetta. 
uh, you know, like a okay. rock opera. It's, mm-hmm. it's, 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 it has a story with an arc, mm-hmm. and you know, uh, so you might That's you awesome. might you might dig that one. I'll I'll send you that one as well. But uh, yeah, let's uh, let's get into Genesis Nursery Crimes: Return of the Giant Hogweed. <laughs> Uh, so what'd you think of that? That was really cool too. That yeah. sounded um, even more seventies to me. I'm trying to think. Well, of it's 1971, we're, so we're yes, a little bit further. We're into the first it. one was 69, so 71. So we're moving into the seventies here. Mm-hmm. Most prog rock, uh, you know, started I think with this album in 69, and and kind of died by the 80s. Mm-hmm. We're gonna end up there at some point, and you'll see okay. how it shifts. Um, so mm-hmm. you're a fan of, of Genesis with Peter Gabriel. Which makes sense, because yes. you're a fan of Phil Collins and you're a fan of Peter Gabriel. Yes. So you like this one. I do, and so it reminds me a bit of The Doors, also. Interesting. The yeah. Doors. Now, nobody's brought that up. What about it? In what way? I guess the guitar and the funkiness of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's that's a very 70s thing, and I guess maybe I thought of The Doors because they're so representative of, their, of that era. See, I always associated the Doors more with the with the late '60s and the Flower Power, even though they were a darker group. Like their lyrical content was very dark. Right. You know, blood in the streets and you know, it's up to my ankles and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. They weren't necessarily Flower Power. They weren't all like eh, love right. everyone. Right. Jim was a dark, tormented fellow. Yeah, I mean, I, I just felt that uh, maybe the guitar makes me think more of the '70s. I don't know. Could be, yeah. Steve Hackett was in the band at this point, and Mike Rutherford was playing bass. And, and like that beginning piece, the beedle diddle 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 he's doing the finger tapping like Eddie oh, Van Halen. Oh, okay. Long before Eddie Van Halen did it. Okay. So I think maybe Eddie gets too much credit for that. Um, <laughs> he does it really well and right. brought it to a new level, but he didn't come up with he it. He didn't. So, uh, all right, that great. So that's something you, you, may, you may dial up in a playlist, huh? Yeah. You like that one, too? Great. All right. We got two yeses (laughs) for the prog rock from Anna Maria. Next, we're going, uh, we're staying in 1971. Um, Band is Yes. Uh, The album is Fragile. Uh, The song is Roundabout. Yes is prog rock? Yeah. My father is huge into Yes, too. Okay. So there you go. (laughs) There you go. That's pretty funny. Oh, he would be very, I have to tell him about this. Yeah. He's going to be psyched to hear this, probably, being a big prog rock fan. Mm Mm-hmm. Seeing what uh, what the offspring thinks here. <laughs> the offspring. So, uh, yeah, yes, fragile, roundabout. Let's listen. Well, we came with like two giant suitcases of books. And a couple pots and pans, like it was right. like bare bones. That's that's awesome though that your parents valued books enough to move them. Oh yeah, you and know. there was a lot of stuff. Especially left if it was behind. stuff that was probably, it's probably stuff that's written in Romanian. Yes, and so. and books that meant you know because my parents were well, my father's side of the family. Uh, Political dissidents all the way. Like uh-huh. people, people did jail time. Right. For right. that stuff. Right. So you know that stuff is very important to him, and he very cool broke his back to, to bring it here. You yeah. Know what I mean, and there's still stuff that he's gotten over the years when he's gone back to visit. You know, people have passed on, and you know, right, he's right, gotten right. Sure. some things from them. 
What did you think of that? We were kind of yapping over it, but that was pretty cool too. Yeah, it was. Um, it was more. I'd have to say, like, as through the progression, the first one was very uh, engaging in terms of like listening to what was going on, mm-hmm. and then the second and the third were kind of fade into the background a little bit. So I don't know if it's more because we were talking, or no, we were talking. Yeah, we talked less over the first one, but I think. You have a point there, I think, because it is more ear-friendly that we're comfortable leaving it back there. It's not demanding our attention Right, right, exactly. It doesn't demand your attention, right. uh, but it's it's cool, like, mood music, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, to, to listen to as you're doing something. Right, and, and, and again, I love that kind of music. You, you were not offended. You did not, mm. you were just... No. You were just tooling along with it. I mean, I guess, you know, we were talking about it being, you know, stuff that my father used to play. I guess that's another right. reason why I was so comfortable because I'm used to that being in the background. Right. So for you, yeah. this may have a nostalgic thing. It brings you to a time and a place and, and you know, with your parents and maybe the, yeah. the feeling of, you know, that, that warmth and safety that you have when you have good parents anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, you know, and it sounds like you did. You it know. felt like home, you know what I mean? Right, right. Um, and, you know, since a lot of it was when I was very young, I, I don't have a whole lot of memories, so it's really just a mood, right. you know, like not a specific memory. Like, oh, this was playing in the background, and sure, right. And like that was what we for did. me, uh, classical and jazz does that because that's what my dad. He was a musician, and that's what we listened to. We didn't listen to the radio. Okay. He was always playing records. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. So now we're gonna go to uh, 1973. Oh my gosh, he loves them too. ELP. Yeah? Yeah. All right. Dad's a prog rock fan. <laughs> I have to tell him that because I don't think he knows that category. He just knows what he listens he to. He probably does. You I think mean, so? Yeah, I think he knows it's prog rock. He's never mentioned it, but uh, yeah. I mean, these guys sort of fell under the umbrella of, of rock in the 70s, yeah. you know? Right. But um, yeah, here we are. Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. Uh, the, the album is Brain Salad Surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, the song we're going to listen to is called uh, Carnival 9. Okay. First impression, part one. Wow, that sounds serious. <laughs> right. It's, it's, it's <laughs> like treating, you said, like part of an uh, opera or opera. They're treating it, it's more like a classical piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, Keith was very... Blah, 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 boring, 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 blah. Is it from your dad having played it right. at home? Right. So uh, yeah, he was huge into ELP, and he is a nerd, so it, it fits. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. So that's uh, awesome, and I remember this. Yes, the artwork. The artwork, which yeah. is uh, Geiger, right? H.R. Geiger, correct. Yeah. Um, nice. I know. I was watching a documentary on him on Netflix. Oh, it's a good And I was one, all right? excited, but I didn't With think the, it was the, a great documentary. The guy from Celtic Frost becomes his uh, his assistant. Oh, is that who that is? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't make it through. I couldn't, you know, I love documentaries, so I know it was not me. Um, because it wasn't. I, just, I love watching I, I, I powered through because I, I like him. Right. And I thought it was interesting, but yeah, I don't think it was the best. It moved very slowly. Um, yeah, yeah. And I was disappointed. But it then sort of suited so his personality. Because at, at his age, when they made it, he was very... He moved very slowly and right, with and I didn't notice and, that. Yeah, you know, like he's a deep. He was not to be rushed, and he was not to be, um, you know, like he he take his time formulating his thoughts. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's in you know wherever the hell he's from. It's he doesn't speak English, so you've got to read subtitles. Yeah, I'm not sure where he's from, but yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm not sure. He's somewhere as, somewhere dark. He's <laughs> and and heavy. <laughs> he, he struck me as being from from Germany or somewhere over there because of uh, could be Germany. You, know, you yeah. can hear him talking, so I can kind of recognize what he's speaking. Yeah, it could be. Ger- yeah, that's why I'm thinking Swiss or, or Austrian Nordic or you know something you know something from over there. I don't, I don't think he's Norse, but um, anyway. Uh, so yeah, let's get into it. Uh, here we go. Emerson, Lake and Palmer. Cool. Brain salad surgery. Carnival. First impression, part one. And the sarcasm is great. Really? Well, I mean, a bomb inside a car. We pulled Jesus from a hat. It's a funny image. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus from a hat. Thank you. I'll be here all week. Right. Throws a shock supersonic fighting cocks. If you follow me, there's a specialty. Some tears for you to see. Misery, misery. It's pretty good. Right, it's 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 in a similar vein as as some of the heavier bands that came after this. Well, except that it's very visual and and right. you know, which speaks to the psychedelic aspect of it. Right, creating uh, images. Because you know the stuff that I that I got into you know in, in high school and college was very much talking about experiences and, and other people's conclusions and how they felt about things, mm-hmm. whereas this is generating images for you. Right. It, it, it speaks less from a personal space. Right. But, it, you know, in, in bringing up these images, you can make up your own story as you go along. Right. It's open for interpretation. Right. Yeah. Performing on a stool, we've got a cypher to make you drool. Some seven virgins and a mule. <laughs> That's hilarious. It sounds like a uh, sex show in Tijuana. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's so funny because I've never actually looked at the lyrics of any of this. And it's just hard for me to picture my father being to this. Yeah. Yeah. But that was my father, you know, that's like his obsession was to uh, to try to record stuff that is no longer made onto, you know, a CD or DVD Right, or right, right, right. And he was doing a lot of that. Your dad, his... it sounds like I would really get along with your dad. You would, you would. I should invite him over for a, for you, a cookout. You could talk for hours. I'm sure, yeah. You know? I remember when I gave you that keyboard, I was like, I think there's something fucked up with you. You were like, my dad can fix it. Yeah, <laughs> my dad can fix anything. So, uh, what do you think of ELP? They're great. Yeah. I would have to say, I think the first song and this one are my favorites. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, just, you know, not any particular reason, just personal preference. Right. Um, well, you, you said yes was, was uh, it, it blended more into the background and, and you felt maybe it was a little more pedestrian for you. Like no, you, I wouldn't you, say that. It just didn't, like you said, it just didn't demand my attention. Right. You like the stuff that yeah. is complex and demands your attention. Um, it just depends on what my mood is. But right. I guess when we're talking, it's easier when it kind of fades into the background a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, it's really, music for me is completely mood oriented. Like when I put on music or, or a movie, it's always like, 
how do I want to feel right now? Or I feel a certain way. How do I want to? How do I want to express keep that going? That or or keep it going or make it stop? Right. You know, eradicate it. Right. Yeah, it sure. could be either way. So it's completely. You know. So people are like wait. You're all over the place with the stuff you listen to. I'm like, because it's that's how my emotions are. So I have to just... Uh, but we digress. <laughs> so we, uh, the final song that we're uh, coming up on here, uh, we're jumping to 1981. Wow, that's quite a jump. Yeah, but uh, this is kind of where prog rock starts to get into pop music. Okay. And this song is... is it's 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 the last it's kind of the last album where Rush really sounded proggy. So most of the guys we've been listening to, and we have been listening to all men. None of these bands have women in them. Yeah, I know uh, that. Which which may speak to why not a lot of women like this music. Well, they're uh, not a lot of women bands either. It's a good point. There are a lot of single, you know, women singing, but not bands. Yeah, so we're jumping to 1981. Uh, most of the bands we've been hearing today have been from England. Okay. Uh, prog rock is primarily um, British. Okay. Uh, but these guys from Canada. Interesting. Toronto. Yeah. Uh, they, I don't think they started out as prog. They kind of, if you listen to their first album, it's very... They were trying to be Led Zeppelin. Okay. You know? But then they got away from that and they got into the... You know, like I was talking about earlier... Uh, Sort of fantasy-based lyrics, you know, about trolls and gnomes <laughs> and wizards and kings and all that stuff. Um, but by this time, they're getting away from that. So uh, this is where they, they start getting a little more... They were like, you know, we're done with the 20-minute songs with all the solos and the let's, let's bring it down to a pop format. And this is probably their most popular song. So we're listening to... Uh, Rush, Moving Pictures, the song is Tom Sawyer. Without further ado, let's get into some Tom Sawyer. Uh, I haven't been able to decide for myself what... I was shocked, to be honest with you. I wasn't. Um, yeah? I wasn't shocked. No. I didn't realize that people Somebody who, who has to be on that much, who has to be funny consistently like that, is masking something darker and deeper inside. Like, they're doing it constantly to keep from being alone with their thoughts and feelings. Right. And I get that now, but I didn't get that before he died. Like, it, it really right. it forced me to look that up. Like, what? You know, because... So many other people um, commented on on his death, and mm -hmm. some people that just loved him. So I, it kind of forced me to to hear that, right, and I was like, right. "Oh wow, I didn't." Yeah, that makes sense now because right around I don't know if it was right before he committed suicide or right after. A good friend of mine that I used to work with did the same thing, and he was also an always on funny guy, mm -hmm. and that also shocked me. And I was like, "Okay, yeah, like this yeah. is too weird. Two people." Yeah that seem to be funny and perky all the time, what would drive them to do this? And it made me look into that. It's funny, because I can tend to do that. I, I, you know, I try to be funny and, and be jokey all the time, and I'm trying to escape my own darkness. Mm -hmm. um, and my, I'm in group therapy now. Okay. And you know, sometimes I get too shticky. 
and my therapist calls me out. I'm like, okay, Matt, let's, let's talk about your real feelings. Stop making a joke about every fucking thing right. that people say, you know? Right. Don't, don't, that's what she said. Yeah. People in group therapy. Well, but I mean, <laughs> that's what she said. Right. But unless you, you see that as a, as yeah. a, as a coping mechanism, whatever you want to call yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I, I'm aware of it too. I know that that's why I do it. And uh, and then and then you have you know similar life experiences in in, in other ways. Right. And and you know we're close in age. And and it just you know it's it's hard not to share things. It's just really a matter of like do we talk about it or not. And some people can't. Right. Right. You know some people I, never I have a real conversation. I find it fascinating. Well, and you know you talk to the people about something you like, so it's not like you're uncomfortable. Right. And then they're saying something that might surprise you or, yep. you know, giving you a perspective that you hadn't thought of. And it yep. just evolves into something else. So, Anna Maria, <laughs> what do you think of prog rock? Do you like prog rock? I do like it. I wish I got into it earlier. Well, it's time to wrap it up, folks. I'm your host, Matt Bergman. We got an I do like it. I wish I'd gotten into it earlier from Anna on the subject of prog. I'd like to thank my guest, Anna Maria Settee. Without her, I would have taken brutish selfies while drunk and high to satiate my depressive ego. And a special thanks to you, the listener. Because as we all know, if a podcast is playing in the woods, no one's around to hear it. It sucks. 